Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life. Conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is Looking Forward, a conversation about looking forward into 2021. It's been a lot of negative press about 2020, and uh, frankly, it deserved every bit of it. And we were all looking forward, hopefully, in 2021. It has been good signs so far, you'd have to say. So we've decided to take a positive spin and look forward to 2021. Look at the things we personally and perhaps corporately are looking forward to. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by Ryan Galliott, the old hand in the co-host seat, by new stars of the show, Ben and Beth. Welcome, Ben Hey, Pete. How you doing? Hey, Pete. Thanks for having us. Uh, Pleasure. Um, Before we get started, just a reminder to the listener that if you like the show, join in. Subscribe on your podcast app and uh, get in touch with us via social medias. We'll talk about that at the end of the show, how you can do that. Looking forward. Now, it's interesting about looking forward and New Year's Year's resolutions. They're different things. We talked about New Year's resolutions in the New Year's show, and it seemed to be that mostly we were, um, New Year's resolutions seemed to be mostly undoing what we did last year. (laughs) And I just want to go on, on record, Pete, saying that I've already failed with my resolutions. Uh, <laughs> You've already reassessed them, Ben. You've already reassessed them. Re-assessed. I've set great goals <laughs> yeah. for 2022. I think that's really going to be my year. Um, so, yeah. I've learned by now, Pete, to uh, to give up for Lent what I said that I would do it on my New Year's resolutions, and uh, that works pretty well for me. So are you giving up New Year's resolutions at Lent? Absolutely. <laughs> it gives you a reasonably short window to achieve them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Easy way out. But, I mean, the question is, um, in that case, we're looking to change negative things. What about positive change? Um, most of us assume that change is always, and I shouldn't say that, it seems to be a, a assumption of society that change is good. So, for example, if I change my phone, it's always a, to a better upgrade or something like that. Is it always good? Is progress always good in that respect? No. Oh, well, that was a short question. <laughs> that was it. That's my entire answer. Here. I don't feel like we need to spend yeah. much time on it. No, I, well, give me I, an example, Ben, of when it might not be good. Uh, well, see, change change is always good. It's like you're saying, change is good in the short term. People with new phones think new phones are great, right? But even the phone companies know they can't change too much at once. Um, that's why your iPhone 8 is pretty similar to your iPhone 10, which is not altogether different mm. from your 12. So I actually don't think that we like change that much. I think we all like the idea of change, um, the idea that things might get better, that's we can improve ourselves, but the actual process of change sucks. <laughs> My wife would agree with you. Whenever she gets, she she broke her, finally broke her old iPhone 5 and it's totally dead and can't five. be resurrected. Wow. Yeah. So that's, she clings to that. She clings to what she loves in those. And so I got her a newer one and she doesn't, like she, she loves all the features, but hates every step of getting herself readjusted yeah. to the mm. change. Mm. And is, well, is that's, that a yeah, sort that's of what a- I mean? Like the, the little ones, when, <laughs> when I upgraded my phone each time, it was always a, a jump of two phones. So I had the right. six and then the eight. Now I've got the, the X. The changes are just small enough that you're okay. <laughs> but to jump from <laughs> yeah, a right. five to what has she got? One of the twelves or the SRs, whatever they're no, up no, to no. now. We didn't, we have, we've only big, got the X. Um, that's a big jump. But the, <laughs> the biggest thing for There's me was that what you could plug into it. It meant money. Like I, I could no longer use my very lovely Sennheiser headset, you know, because I didn't have the right plugs for it anymore. They changed the plugs. It was very cunning, but it basically means that I'm stuffed. 
because all my really good gear doesn't work with it anymore. Well, I know my my dad has big problems with the way phone companies have, have done that. They sort of they bait you into using their products and then make it so you can only use their products. Nothing well, else Well, I mean, we've almost that. created a system where that's necessary, though, haven't we? We're getting off the track a little bit here, but um, if a company, let's pretend that there was a company out there that could make a phone that just worked on everything and it was so good you never had to replace it, wouldn't they be doing awesome. themselves out of business? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's not, and that's not, not you know, more goal. Wouldn't have to. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, so pretty much we've created a system where if, if they have to survive by selling, then we've created a system that actually means that they don't survive anymore. If, if they do a good job, it's almost like the, the toasters and cars and almost everything. I used to be able to fix my own car. Now, I'm not good at these things, but I used to be able to get into my car and fix it. Whereas now I look at the thing and I think, I think I'd injure myself if I tried. <laughs> now you need a little <laughs> computer to understand what's going on in yeah. most cars as well. Or the they, chips and yeah. Well, literally, our, our servicing guy shows up in our driveway and he has a computer set up which he plugs mm-hmm. into the thing and he can tell what's wrong with the car. But and then he works on it. And I think, gee whiz, what hope have I got? I think it goes to show that uh, change is good if it serves a purpose. Um, or if it fulfills a need. If it's changed for change's sake, then it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's um, I guess it's redundant, but it can it can do things like lead to a kind of division. I mean, even just using the phone example, you know, um, <laughs> the way that I use my phone is vastly different from how my parents use it and the way my nieces and nephews are even showing me things that they can do on their devices. I'm like, yeah. I thought I was supposed to be the generation that was in touch with this stuff, but like, well, you know. <laughs> you are that generation. Um, their technology is but- even different. Physically, you are that generation. <laughs> Mentally, you're know, a few then. decades ahead of the rest of us. So. <laughs> ahead or behind? Now, this is interesting. I can't tell if that's an insult or not, to be honest. Well, this is the interesting thing about progress. Here, I think there's a lot of talk of tea. Um, I think that might be better suited than phones yeah, right. to be. Yes. <laughs> and Attic Creek. But the, the, um, <laughs> the, the, the idea of progress is an interesting one. G.K. Chesterton in his book, uh, Everlasting Man, talks about this false idea that society always progresses, that we're always on the up. And he suggests that we're actually careering through a manic kind of, uh, you know, society's going up and down and up and down and, and messing around. And we, and we, he's saying basically we mean to face the fact that sometimes we're regressing and maybe it's not mm. good to go with society because society is actually regressing and to improve might mean to go against the flow in some respects. What... What's a modern thing that seems to be surging forward in leaps and bounds that we might look forward to not doing this year? <laughs> I think social media. I would love to stop using social media for a while. Um, like the, the way it's changing and the way it's sort of come essential to a lot of people's lives, I would really like to detach from. Um, so that might be something I try and do in, in 2021. It'll be hard given I work in social media. Um, and I'm a social media <laughs> advisor. And Do you get those little uh, notifications on your phone, Ben, be. that tell you how much screen time you've had that week? I have oh, turned yeah. those off um, after I started working at the Archdiocese. <laughs> so I'm currently an admin on about eight different pages um, right. for different organisations and things in right. advisory roles. So I get notifications for all of them. Uh, so my phone is constantly going on Facebook, Instagram, all the rest of it. Sent you someone right. who I've never heard of sent someone else I've not heard of a notification or something. Right. <laughs> so I would like to detach from that a little bit. Um, could be good. <laughs> Beth. Yeah. These, I mean, a lot of kind of later technological advances 
as good as they are, um, are I think almost designed just to be time wasters and time fillers. And you can see it, people are almost like too scared to be waiting at a train station without looking at something, without being seen to be on their phone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like no one is just content with just kind of being there. If you um, sit there without anything. I think that's anything, a kind of massive regress. If you sit there without anything. Oh, yeah. People, people look people like out. you're yeah. a freak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it, it really yeah. puts them and off like, the sort of, what are do you, you doing? what do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> look, see, this is an interesting thing. I, I, I'm old enough to remember a generation before the smartphone, right? And I would sit on a train going to work. And if you talked to people, you were weird. So <laughs> what people had in those days was newspapers. And they would, if they didn't buy the Herald Sun, which showed that they were usually a certain type of person, and then or the Age or the Australian, which which showed that they were trying to look like another type of person. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and then they would spread out this massive broadsheet across three people to read it. Um, that's if they wanted to make <laughs> sure that you realised they were reading the Australian. Um, the actually considerate people who were actually in reading would fold it up very cleverly and, and read it. But everyone was still stuck in their book or their paper or their whatever they were looking at. And they used to give out free papers at the train stations to those people who just couldn't be stuffed getting themselves organised or read them. they just get this trashy thing, which was free. But everyone was reading and everyone ignored everyone else and everyone had their head in something that was just trivial and trash and gossipy, perhaps. And I'm not sure that the phones have changed that a lot. They've made it easier to ignore people because now you can have headphones as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, so I still you remember don't have to pretend that you people in these big papers. They were very hard to get through to. <laughs> were you the guy sitting on the train, Pete, trying to talk to everyone? Sort of tapping people I was on the a, shoulders? I'm, I'm a country boy. I was raised in the country. I talked to people. <laughs> and, and I quickly found out it weirds people out. But in general, um, I'd either have to put on some headphones and listen to something interesting or um, or I'd be end up talking to people. It might just be me, but um, I find that when I'm on a plane that things are different, that people are more likely to strike up conversation. Um, and I wonder if that's just kind of the sheer necessity of not being able to move, of being stuck in that moment with that person. You might as well just get to, a, you know, not loathe their company yep. and <laughs> make something of it. Uh, I know I've had really good chats with, with people in those situations and I don't really get that elsewhere. Yeah. I was stopped on the street last year. I uh, was walking down the street with a book in my hand, reading it. And this this man came up to me and said, excuse me, do you realize you're reading a book? (laughs) I said, said, yes, yes, I do. He said, you're walking while reading a book. And I said, well, it's no more distracting than reading from my phone screen. And he said, he looked at me puzzled and said, but it's a book. (laughs) (laughs) I was stopped box at a at a cafe when I was um just doing some research and when I mm. when I'm trying to slow myself down I make myself write with a fountain pen um because uh. the the, mm. the actual practice of writing with a fountain pen requires you to be slower and I try and slow my thoughts down so I'm not just scribbling illegible things so I'm using his mm. fountain pen and scribbling and the, and a, a fellow tapped me on the shoulder he'd be about 10 or 15 years older than me but he said it's just such a wonderful thing to see someone using a pen. Yeah. <laughs> Not just yes. a fountain pen, but any pen. <laughs> so used to people just notes on the phone, that kind of thing. I don't know. Some of these things are fads, though. I mean, for a while there, there was a the whole thing with the the text language was a big thing. You know, where oh, before yeah. you could actually just type on an on an iPhone or something. They had those ones where you had to press 
you know, as as few buttons as possible. And someone actually released an entire Bible in the text language, like the short yeah. form of the thing. Why, why, why? So I've gone <laughs> to a lot of effort to do this. <laughs> but anyway, well, it's making it forward. accessible to to younger people. <laughs> well, really, I mean, I, people who are typing in the shortest possible number of digits are unlikely to read an entire Bible. <laughs> That's well, thing. they're more likely if it's the shortest possible number of digits. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, get, getting back on track. Let's have a look at the the um the things we probably should be working on. Think every time I talk to people about their plans for 2021, they often refer to things like work, like career plans or study plans or something like that. And that's fair enough. But given that we know that relationships and friendship, friendships and relationships are like the most pivotal elements of our life, which we contribute to our happiness. I haven't heard anyone talk about, you know, making a point of you know, developing friendships or developing relationships, that kind of thing. Mm. I wonder, I mean, is this a, a flaw or am I just hanging out with the wrong people? I'm wondering how much of that is related to just us recovering from this uh, 2020 period. <laughs> so well, the recovery period of friends in case of, we all okay. get banished to Coventry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I make new friends, how much of a risk is that kind of thing? Um, yeah, it's it's definitely something, now that you raise the, the, the point, uh, I haven't spoken to anyone yet that really seemed to have that on the horizon. Right. I think the culture of of making resolutions and things is a culture of um, like personal. Like it's become very what I'm going to do for me. It's not like mm. you know. You, in the same way, you don't hear people making a lot of resolutions to do more charity work or to, you know, like things like it's, it's, oh, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to read more. Or I'm going to, I'm yep. going to get a promotion. I'm going to get whatever it is. It's, it's me and it's for me, by me, you know, <laughs> like it's, um, you, you don't see people wanting to make, people might have, um, relationship things they want to change in their relationships that they've currently got. I want to work right. on my marriage or I want to improve things with my brother or whatever, but it's the same. Yep. It's, it's me for me. Um, right. It's, it's not external. Right. I find it bizarre um, that we've kind of kept the self-focus, but we've lost the ability to introspect as well. So a lot of these are kind of, I guess, surface-level changes. You know, they're kind of superficial. I want to look better. Mm. I want more money, so on and so forth. But very, like, very rarely is it about recognizing your own flaws and, like, you know, serious character flaws and changing that. Uh, and I think the only way to do that is to kind of step outside yourself and see yourself as part of something bigger, uh, which is something that, you know, I think Catholicism forces you to do a yeah. little more than maybe the secular world does. The Catholic thing is very much that. I was a Protestant, quite a serious Protestant most of my life. Um, and I had pretty much the same ideas about sin. As I do as a Catholic, it's just the different. There's a huge difference with having to show up and actually say them out loud. Mm -hmm. um, it's also extremely, uh, what's the word? It just releases you, and it's, it's it's redemptive and and invigorating to be able to let them go. But um, it, it makes a difference when you know things are going to be accountable. Can I, I reckon though the faith thing is an interesting one. I'd take Ben's point and say sometimes when we talk, when I hear people talk about the faith, and when I catch myself talking about faith resolutions, I'm going to do more of this. Well, the subtext of it could be, unfortunately, 
I want to feel better about my faithfulness rather than I'm prepared to go where God leads me this year kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're still looking at an image of ourselves we'd like to see rather than asking God, well, where do you want me this year? What What is it that you want? Where do you, Where does God fit into these resolutions? Mm. Oh, yeah. It's, if it's going to be a change, it needs to be on God's terms, not your own, um, which is you know, easier said than done. <laughs> but um, I, yeah. I think I've joked about this on the podcast before. My wife and I have a saying that if we want to give God a laugh, we tell him our five-year plan. Um, and <laughs> we make plans all the time because you have to if, you, if you're going to, you know, if you're not just going to be washed around wherever fate takes you uh, or random chance takes you, you need to actually make some plans and commit to them. But I've never seen a five-year plan come about, never, not in my entire life. And I've had them since I've been 15. So it, it gets revised every other year, almost always. And um, it's revised by some event that I could not have predicted. Um, but the things mm. that have actually had lasting impact on me that I've planned for are to the way I've gone about decision-making, the way I've gone about change or dealing with with various things. Um, two really big things is no matter what happens, um, you can't wait for circumstances to decide to be the person you you know God wants you to be. You can't wait for circumstances to be happy. You have to decide to be there now and then be mm-hmm. be joyful, be Christian, be Christ-like in those circumstances. I wish someone had told me that when I was 20 um, because I spent so much time waiting around for circumstances to get better so I could be happy um, when, in fact, you're never going to get there if you wait for circumstances to make you happy. And the other thing is, mm-hmm. is uh, I, we had um, Father Robin Koenig on, and he made the point that you shouldn't make big decisions when you're on a downer. Uh, if you if you commit yourself, like if you're on a high and you're you're looking forward in the year and you commit yourself to a goal, you've got to. You, one of the things you've got to decide to do is not change your commitment when you get on a downer. Because when when mm-hmm. if we change plans when we're on a on feeling down, nothing's ever going to work. You know, you might end up not succeeding in a particular plan. That's fine, but you'll always fail if you let a, a mood or a particular demoralization of something stop you. Um, Just for the listeners, Pete, that's episode forty-eight: discerning the spirits. Discerning the spirits. Thank you for that. We might, we'll either gl- let Mike look like we don't even know our own podcast or maybe you can edit that out. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, sorry, Mike Mike just slipped me a bit of paper with that. It was all Mike. Mike knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, right. Uh, that was so- a long slip. Given the- <laughs> sorry, Box, you were about Discerning to say something. a long word. No, I was going to say, I've, I've heard the same for the opposite. Don't, make, uh, don't change your plans for when you're on a high either because you can set yourself too high a standard. Bishop Umber said something similar in the New Year's Eve episode, I think, we when did, he was talking indeed, about uh, we did being away on spiritual camps and, and things and he would yeah, retreat. Make, making word, big make commitments plans. when yeah. you're on a high and you, you make this thing, I'm going to totally do exercise for three hours a day and I'm going to diet and I'm going to make all these changes. And we said, just pick something. Just pick one thing. Yeah. You've got about as much emotional energy as you need to do one change in a week perhaps and get that done. And um, it's funny, I was, when I was just getting towards finishing my thesis, I was whinging to my uh, boss that, ah, oh, I should um, also get back to that, you know, exercise and, and dieting. And she said, don't, 
don't you dare. And I said, what do you, what do you mean? It's the first time anyone's told me not to, you know, look after my health. She goes, if you get it, <laughs> if you put too many things on your plate, you're not going to do the hard things. Get one hard thing done at a time. Anything else that we're looking forward to? World events, you know, sports, um, church events. I'm looking forward to going back movies. to watching sport. Movies, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was going to mention football, Ryan, because football got me through COVID, literally got me through COVID. Oh, okay. So I, I'm just hanging out. I'm really missing AFL. I'm coming, looking for it to come back. But I'm also looking forward to seeing how the church comes out of COVID and like how, yes. how we come out of that. But we've got to hear which movie you're looking forward to. Oh, look, I've I've recently invested in the 4K versions of Lord of the Rings trilogy, so I'll be watching and re-watching that a few yeah. times. But Marvel's coming back with some movies, and look, I'm the geek guy, so what I do is watch movies and TV shows and, <laughs> and really appreciate them and then get asked to talk about them theologically. So well, when, when that's I'm, what I have to look forward to. <laughs> when I'm done watching The Mandalorian box, we'll have to have a show on it. I would like to be on that, <laughs> please. Yeah. Oh. You'd like to be on You're putting your hand up, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Bethany looks really excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll know me so well by now. <laughs> yes. So what are you looking forward to, Beth? Oh, dear. That's a really good question, actually. I um, am in the process of investing in a violin. Yes. And that's going to be my baby for this year. So Investment you know, it's, and it's violin and two small. words I didn't expect to hear in a sentence. <laughs> 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 and uh you know i just think i just think you know you were saying before we have so much focus on career goals uh and even you know relationship goals and stuff it is lovely to spend just a little time each day on leisure and you know lovely things so i think that was going to be my little thing for this year mm. violin ben mm. i'm to your point about sport, Peter, I'm looking forward to going back to watching sport live, um, ah. being able to actually go down and we got a bit of a taste of it towards the end of last year, um, but I'd, I'd like things to go back to as close to normal as they can. We can actually go, you know, at the end of a, a long week, you can go have a beer and sit down and watch the, for me, it's soccer more than football, but to actually yeah. sit and yep. watch will be very nice. So That actually reminds me, but one of the things that, a few of my mates and I have been talking about is just the simple pleasure of, of being able to sit down once a week with a medium rare steak and a beer and chat. It's one of those simple pleasures I've got, simple joys that I look forward to hopefully soon. We used to, before COVID hit, there used to be a bunch of dads who would get together um, and have a steak and a beer at a, at a restaurant and then go and see a Marvel movie. Um, together, we, it's only about once every couple of months or so, but it was really good, and it was just a bunch of Catholic dads hanging out, talking rubbish mostly. Um, but you know, you're on the same page in the in the in the areas yeah. that normally cause distress in conversation. So it's really good, solid bunch of people. I miss that, and I think I, I need to get something going again. But I think football too. <laughs> to that point, though, Pete, where you said the um, you're with a bunch of guys who are all on the same page on things. I think the fact that we've been removed from people and we've all been getting all that online means we have fewer places where we can sort of relax and talk about things openly. Um, yes. Particularly in a very political year uh, that 2020 was, and it's sort of, we've seen as bled over into 2021. The ability yep. to actually talk about those things and not have an argument about them with people you've never met um, yep. <laughs> will be very... Especially when you don't fit the tribe, Ben. Like, I, yes, I'm, exactly right. 
so I'm very much pro all the all the protection of life and everything like that. Mm. But I'm also very much against the um, some of the silly things that some pro-life movements have got themselves tied up in recently. Uh, and I'm just I find myself unable to talk to a lot of my old friends because they just go off. <laughs> I yeah, can't, I just can't e- do it. Everything's gotta... very heightened at the moment, and it, it would be nice to to bring it back down a bit. Um, yes, and in doing so, remind us that we can have disagreements with friends. They can still be friends, um, yeah. and we can we can all stay sort of at a low oh, emotional level. It, it helps level so much to have those conversations over a beer or a coffee or something mm-hmm. like that instead of having them online. I think you're right about that one, Ben. Probably that's our looking forward. They're looking forward to more personal contact. So get that's off it. Facebook and yep. get to a cafe. Get off Facebook. Get to a to a sport ground. Have bring some friends. Have a chat. Do something like that. That's probably enough for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking about things you could do in 2021, let us know what you think. Subscribe to the podcast. Listen in this year as we try to explore various topics. Give us some ideas about topics for this year, if you like, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Discord. And be sure to write us a review on iTunes. Remember that this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast. We think that's an idea worth getting behind, so tell your friends. We'll be back next week, but that's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life.